Welcome to A Life Invested, a podcast dedicated to helping you create the lifestyle of your dreams by investing in people, assets, and yourself. I'm your host, Roger Comstock. All right, my friends. Well, welcome back to A Life Invested. I am so grateful to have each of you here. I've got an incredible guest with me today, someone that has accomplished a ton in his life. This is Jeremy Nevis, and he is a founder, investor, and consultant. And Jeremy spends his time uh, starting and scaling businesses and teaching others to do the same. In 2009, he founded Excite Satellite, which employed a thousand plus individuals over a 10-year period, generating over $70 million in sales before making an exit in 2019. As an investor, he has equity in a number of private companies, crypto and real estate. He recently purchased a portfolio of 60 single family homes, bringing his total number of rental properties to 65. I, dude, I'm stoked to hear about this in the, in the show today. He has a coaching company that focuses on personal and business development. And when Jeremy is not found working on business, he can be found working on his other two passions in life, which are his family and saving trafficked children. Jeremy is part of an undercover team responsible for rescuing children from sex trafficking around the world. What a noble cause. That's amazing, brother. I love it. Well, welcome. Welcome to the show, Jeremy. I'm so glad that you're here, man. Thanks, brother. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate you a lot. First and foremost, before we jump into anything here, I want to make sure that individuals who are interested in following you and learning from you are able to do so. What's the best way for people to do that? Instagram is by far the platform I'm most active on. Uh, it's at Jeremy Nevis. Nevis is seven spelled backwards. Easy to remember. Um, there is a ton of fake accounts out there of me right now. And my account just barely got made active again because somebody, somebody copied my entire account made it look just like me and then reported me as the imposter. And so I got shut down and uh, it took me about six weeks to get it back. So oh, just got dude. it back trying to, trying to squash all the other ones. There's been a, a, I guess a few people sent money to this fake account and everything else, but at Jeremy Nevis underscore afterwards, uh, just one underscore. And um, yeah, that's the best awesome. Way to yeah. So make sure. Yeah. This is a guy that you're going to want to learn from. He has accomplished again, a ton of stuff. So I would go follow him right now. Um, and, you know, get out a get out a pen and a piece of paper for today's podcast, because we're going to learn a whole lot from this good brother and what he's been able to accomplish in his life. Um, I, I want to ask you, uh, Jared, as we get going here, what got you into what you're doing and, and why? Um, which part? <laughs> Where, let's start. The- let's start with uh, your first company, with the satellite company, and then also getting into real estate. Yeah. So my first company, I, um, I had served an LDS mission. Um, knocked doors for a couple of years and came home from that. And I immediately jumped in. I had a brother-in-law that was selling door to door and it feels like everybody in Utah was selling door to door. And um, it seemed like a natural transition from knocking doors, you know, preaching the gospel um, to, uh, to, to selling something else. And so I got into the door to door space, started knocking doors um, in 2008, in June of 2008. And um, my first day on the doors, I just remember, um, it was funny. I was trying to, uh, I was trying to knock a door and it was actually Spanish, a Spanish speaking door. And I spoke a very little amount of Spanish on my, my mission, but I learned just enough. And I, I remember like trying to tell somebody like about, t- I was selling satellite TV. And I remember telling them like how these channels would bless their life. It was like the only language I understood of like how to say in Spanish. It's pretty funny, but I had a lot of success right out of the gate. Day one, I sold like four accounts. Um, met back up with my brother-in-law that night and showed him what I had done. And he showed me how I had messed up every order I'd done. So I had to go back to all four of the houses, explain to them. I think I lost three of the four deals, but I learned a ton. That's just kind of like 
what I learned about myself. I start, I get going, uh, make mistakes and I learn from it and then I just move forward. But um, fast forward, I mean, uh, from June until May of the next year, I went from a sales rep to a regional manager. Um, and uh, I just, what does it take to, to grow in the company? And the sky was the limit and I caught on to that and just started selling. And they said, if you wanna be a manager, you gotta have X amount of guys and sell X amount of accounts, you can be a manager. Cool, did that. What does it take to become, what's, what's next? They said, be a regional manager. You have to have X amount of managers, X amount of sales, X amount of guys, and um, did that. Had some really good quality dudes underneath me that brought a lot of guys in. And we had 60 guys, five managers, and um, I hit, the, hit my first summer out of state um, as a regional manager, uh, which sounded really cool and I thought was really cool, but it was, turned out to be a disaster because I had no idea what I was doing um, my first summer in the company really didn't know what they were doing. So, um, you know, I, I, uh, learned a ton that, that summer. We started with 60 guys and we finished with 12 and the 12 that stuck around was my sister, my cousin, my really close friends, uh, that were just kind of loyal to me. And, um, and so that kind of catapulted me into starting my own company. I, I learned a ton. I grew really fast, but I also, um, realized that if I was going to put my name and my reputation on the line, uh, that I had to have more control over the outcome. And that's, that's how I started my, my first company. And so I started my Excite door-to-door -door sales company back in 2009. Dude, this is great information. And inside of everything that you just shared, there's a whole lot of uh, nuggets of knowledge that people can kind of pull from that. I want to talk about a few here. First of all, um, I think it's important for people to understand how powerful it is to be able to learn how to sell. If they're going to be doing anything entrepreneurial or honestly, like in, in, uh, one's career path, nothing will get an individual further than learning the skill set of being able to sell because it includes a lot of soft skills as well. For you, um, how important has that been in, in the trajectory that you've been able to follow and getting to where you are today? Oh, it's paramount. Um, sales is, everyone needs to learn sales. And I, I was grateful. It was, it was kind of built in my DNA as I was a young kid. Like ever since like elementary school, I was the kid that was out selling the care of chocolates door to door and, you know, whatever it was to, to, to do the fundraisers. Um, if I ever wanted to buy a toy, I'd go sell toys, you know, in my house or whatever it was like, it was always built in my DNA, but I, I highly recommend it to everyone. It's something that we're all doing at all times. Everybody is a salesperson, whether you're selling your idea of where you want to go eat dinner or, um, trying to sell your political views or whatever, like you're always selling, you're trying to influence somebody to do something or to believe you or to trust in you or to work with you. And, uh, the better you can hone in that skill, um, the more valuable it will be. And, and, uh, the further I think you can go and really accomplishing whatever it is that you want in your life. I could not agree more. Um, I it's played such a huge role in the experiences that I've had in business and in being able to help other people too. I think uh, Zig Ziglar was one of my very, very favorite salespeople of all time. And one of the things he said has impacted my life in a monumental way. He said, you can have anything in life that you want, as long as you're willing to help other people get what they want. And I really think that that's, that's all sales actually is when it's kind of boiled down to what it is fundamentally. And a lot of times it gets a bad rep uh, when, when in all reality, it's just helping people, right? Making sure that we're able to provide value in someone's life and enable them to become who they uh, have the potential to become. Uh, and so I, I really, really uh, enjoyed what you, what you said about that. That's important. I also loved in your story with 
uh, going out to sell, you experienced a whole lot of failure, you know, right off the bat, you said you got four accounts and you were super excited. The first day you came back and your brother, I think it was your brother. I said, Hey, like you, you kind of, uh, needed to fix a couple things and you ended up coming home and you, you had one. So three kind of dropped off and one went through. Um, and that sounds like it could have been potentially disheartening and discouraging, but you seem to be made up of something else that allows you to kind of push through what most people would consider a failure and utilize it as fuel to, to kind of grow and progress. So how have you been able to do that? Yeah, honestly, I think there's a pattern in my life, like um, ready, fire, aim, you know, I, 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 um, I've never seen myself as the smartest person in the room. Um, and I, and I, I know that I don't know a lot of things, but I'm also not like the, I'm not going to open up the book and study and try and learn these, this thing on my own. And I don't need to have all the information before I start. Um, I'm all about starting and then letting the path teach me. And so, um, you know, sometimes that's served me, sometimes it hasn't, but sometimes it got me in trouble. But for this, like I had very, um, realistic expectations. Like my goal when I went out to knock doors was to learn how to be better at it. You know, I had spent two years trying to sell people on uh, the gospel and, and telling people to give up all the things they enjoyed in their life, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and then give 10% of their money on top of it. Um, you know, it's a tough sell, you know, and, uh, and, and to go knock on doors and see people that were like super receptive to like getting a television package and and um, so for me, like, I didn't need to know everything. I went out and I saw it as, as a success that I was able to, to convince some people to sign up with me when I realized I had done it wrong. Um, I learned what I had done wrong and I wouldn't make that mistake again. So I think that's just my equation. I show up, I start, um, I learn, I see some information and then I shift it and I make a new choice and then I study how well I'm doing and then I just continue forward. And that's just been this reoccurring uh, pattern in my life of, of how I do uh, just how I show up, how I do things. I think this is really important. One of the things that you just uh, highlighted here, and it was that, you know, you show up for something and you get started, but a lot of people, I would say, try to do just that The thing that's different about your experience in comparison with other people, right. Is that you learn from the the struggles, the challenges, the failures, you know, quote unquote failures that you experience, you use those to propel yourself forward. I mean, you told us to, uh, you know, when you'd become a regional manager, you'd have like 60 guys and it dropped off to 12 at the end of the summer. And some of those people were your family members. But again, a lot of people would take that really hard and let it sink and be like, man, I'm no good at this. I shouldn't be doing this. But instead, you know, you, you chose to utilize that as an opportunity to grow, pivot, learn, progress, and become, again, the best version of yourself. And I think all of those experiences have probably shaped and molded you into who you are today and what you've been able to build and accomplish. Would, would you agree with that? 100%. 100%. That's, that's amazing, man. I love that. So um, one of the things that, that you mentioned that I really, really like was this idea. You said, ready, fire, aim, uh, which is completely opposite to what most people would teach, right? It, it When we hear that uh, phrase, it's usually reversed to ready, aim, fire. And a lot of people take too much time aiming. It's kind of like this analysis paralysis. Or, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm going to hit the target and I don't even know if I should pull the trigger because I might fail. And again, that kind of gets the best of people. So with this ready, fire, aim strategy, it, it creates this uh, susceptibility to potential um, pain, right? Like you might do something wrong. And what I love so much is you said here, you said, 
start, just start. And you said, and let the path, let the path teach you. I thought, man, that's, that's amazing. If we look at any individual in the world that has experienced any amount of success, they've all done just that. They've had an idea. And instead of thinking, Hey, you know, uh, somebody else has probably done this or I shouldn't do it because I could fail. They, they just say, here's an idea. I'm going to get started and I'll, uh, I'll figure it out as, as I go. Uh, has that, has that played a big, um, kind of, has that been a big factor in building the company that you did build? hundred percent. So like everybody else, I have fears. I have doubts. I have limiting beliefs. Um, and the, un the uncertainty can be paralyzing at times. And so my way to like combat that is to just start because there's never been a time where I didn't, uh, when, when I hadn't started yet, where I got more confidence, the longer I waited, the more I got more comfortable by waiting. I just got more in my own head, whether it's a tough conversation or starting a business, like you just got to go start. And, you know, I use this analogy a ton is um, you think about like, if you were up in the mountains and you were in your car and um, you, your, your, your uh, maps stopped working and you couldn't see where to go. You don't know your way home. All you've got is your headlights. If you stay parked and you don't go, all you can see, the only information you have is what your headlights show you. But as soon as you start going and you start moving the car, more and more is revealed to you. You can now see more of the, the landscape, more of the terrain, more of the environment. And then you can make a new decision of like, do I turn left or I turn right? But if you just sit there, you don't get any more information. And that's, that's honestly been paramount for me is like just moving um, I have a seven, like I call it my Nevis seven. There are seven S's, right? Um, show up as one. Number two is see it, see what's out there. I need to become more aware of, of what's available, what my opportunities are, what the challenges are, what the roadblocks are. Number three is to say it. You got to open your mouth. You got to, you got to share your vision. You got to ask the questions. You got to tell somebody where you're at. Um, and then after say it, Oh, seize it. Sorry. Seize After it. you oh, say it, you got to seize it. You got to take action. Um, so again, you got this opportunity. I share this story of when I wanted to be on this, on the field at the Super Bowl, um, And I had this opportunity, I had this window. And in that moment I could have been like, well, I'll let you go first or I'll let somebody else, or, um, you know, I'll wait for a better opportunity. When the opportunity presents itself, you've got to seize it. You got to take action right away. And then after seize it is you've got to study it. How did that work? What's working? What's going well? What, what should I continue to do? And then also like, what isn't working? What should I be doing differently? And then the next one is to shift it. So now you've got to adapt. You've got to, you've got to change what you're doing because you've learned something. Now you do something differently. And then after, after you shift it, my last one, number seven is to start higher. Um, every time, you know, you start this cycle over again, don't start from ground zero, take the things that you've learned and aim for that next level of progression, never settling for, for uh, what you've already accomplished. So those are like my seven, that's been my path and uh, showing up is, is the very first step. It's the most important. Dude, I love those. I absolutely love those. I think that's super important. I especially love the seventh one um, of this idea of kind of elevating our sights and starting at a higher level and higher plane. I think a lot of people, um, this is, this is interesting. So I'm, I'm writing a book, uh, currently right now, and it's, it's all about gratitude and growth and giving. And so while writing the book, I've been doing a bunch of research 
And one of the things I found, which is super interesting, I was always under the impression, it was a new information to me. I was under the impression that acorns, like every one of them or almost every one of them would eventually become a tree, right? Or, or some grow into something that they were supposed to be. What I found is that only one in 10,000 acorns becomes an oak tree, mm. which I thought was just super interesting and highly relatable to people as individuals because so many people, if they could just set their sights a little bit higher and understand a little bit more about who they are and what their potential is, who they can become, they would have so much more pushing them, driving them, and a deeper why to do meaningful, positive things in the world. And I think it's just, to your point, it's just about starting higher, looking a little bit further out and seeing the forest instead of a tree. Um you know, that whole process, I loved your seven, you know, the seven S's as well, because when we look at an acorn seed, in order to become an oak tree, it's got to break out of itself. It's got to go through some challenging things and kind of follow those, those steps, right, that you, you outlined in order to reach its potential. And so I really, really appreciate you sharing that, Jerry. That's amazing. Um, you talked about how you have some limiting beliefs and people, it's, it's interesting, like from the outset, an individual will look at you know, Jeremy Nevis, and they may say, this guy's the man. He has no fear about anything. Everything in his life goes perfectly. And he's an overnight success, right? But we know that's not the case. And so how do you overcome fear? And how do you overcome limiting beliefs? When you have thoughts that come into your mind that say, no, this is, I mean, this is outrageous to even think about doing this. What do you do to overcome those? Yeah. So the thing about fear is that, that I've learned is that sometimes it's, you know, we talk about the false events appearing real, right? That it's not really something that's there. Well, the problem with that is that sometimes it actually is real. And so what I like to do is I actually, step one in fear is to look at it. What, if you're afraid of something, most of the time what we do is we run away from it, figuratively or, um, or literally, we run away from what it is. We just know that there's something there that's danger we don't want to address. And so we just go the opposite direction instead of actually looking at it. So if I'm afraid to, start this business or to, to do this venture, to, to do this phone call or whatever it is. What I like to do, if I notice that fear is there, is to look at it. Why are you afraid of that? And I ask myself, I take myself down the rabbit hole. Well, I'm afraid of doing that because I might get rejected. Okay, well, what if you do get rejected? Well, then that would suck. I would feel this. Okay, and if you were to feel that, what would the consequences of, of experiencing that be? And I just go all the way down the rabbit hole. Well, the consequence would be that I'd lose self-confidence. Well, if I lost self-confidence, what would happen? Well, that would, that would mean that I'd feel like I'm alone. Well, if I'm alone, and I think at the depth of most of my fears is that I'm dead or I'm alone. Like those are like the depth of my fears. If I go all the way down the rabbit hole, right? And I look at that and go, okay, well, if I were to, you know, if I were to be alone, like then what? And, um, and then I go, you know, and then I ask myself, like, well, would you give up? Would you continue forward? Are you committed to the long game? And if I'm committed, if the answer is like, I'm committed to the long game, like no matter what happens, like I'm still going to get myself back up. I'm still going to figure it out. And you know those things, right? But you can't go there from the very beginning. You have to allow yourself to feel all of that fear and address it. And the closer I get to feeling it, I'm like, okay, well, now I've wrapped my arms around it. And I can, I can say, well, if all that were to happen, would it still be worth it? And sometimes the answer is no. And if the answer is no, then I go the other way. And I say, well, what if you don't take this action? What if you let fear win here? What's the consequence of that? Who else does it impact? 
And what would that do? You know, and then I take it the whole opposite way. Well, if it impacted them, well, then what would the outcome of that be? And how would that be? And what I've found is that most of the time, either one, the worst case scenario isn't that bad. Like it's okay. I could, like, I don't think it's real and I don't think it's really going to happen. And if it did, the risk is worth the reward. And if sometimes the risk is not worth the reward, it's too big of a risk to not take. So if I were to say like, if I don't take the action right now, or if I don't have this conversation right now, the consequences are too great. And so the fear can't win there either. And so I just show up and I take action. I just do it. So there's a lot more confidence. There's, it's a lot more calculated um, in my mind because I've looked at it. I'm aware of what it is. I'm aware of the consequences if I do it. I'm aware of the consequences if I don't do it. And either way, I have to do it. Dude, this is so good. I mean, so good. So I want to talk about a couple things related to what you just shared, because I hope everybody is paying attention to this. Uh, because a lot of times, again, the things in life that we kind of come up against, the challenges we face, these walls, they stop us. And usually the people building those walls are ourselves, right? We kind of erect these, these walls in front of us that inhibit us from getting to where we need to be. Um, one of the things that Mark Twain said, he said, you know, in 20 years from now, you're going to look back, and you're not going to be, you're not going to re- regret what you did, you'll regret more what you, you didn't do. And what I hear you saying, and uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like people, when they're analyzing a decision, they need to be looking at it in a way that allows them to determine if there is asymmetric risk there, which is okay, like there may be a little bit of a risk, but the reward is so much higher than any risk involved, right? So one of my good friends is Bridger Pennington. And he, uh, he, man, he tells this story that I love so much related to what you just shared, where he was thinking about starting a business, and he was talking to somebody that had been wildly successful. And the guy said, Bridger kind of brought up these concerns. And the guy said, well, what if you fail? And Bridger was, you know, he's, he's scared. He's like, well, you know, what if, you know, this could happen or this could happen. And the guy's like, well, look, you could, if, if all, if all went downhill, if everything went south, the very worst that could happen is basically you would, you'd be, maybe you wouldn't be able to buy a house or rent your house. You'd be living with people that you loved. You probably have individuals that love you that would take you in. You'd have, um, you, you know, food, shelter, You'd have your family, people that cared about you. And you say that it, basically that's better than, you know, 90% of the world has in the very, very worst situation. If you tried this business and everything failed, you're going to have people that love you, take care of you, have food, all that stuff. So there's not a looking at it from that vantage point. There's not a ton of risk and the, the reward is much, much higher. Um, what advice would you give to people that are looking at starting a business right now, but they just feel like, man, I that they feel kind of nervous or scared about the decision. Yeah. I think the reason people are usually nervous or scared is because there's uncertainty. So there's parts of it that you know that you know, there's parts of it that you know that you don't know. And the uncertainty is what keeps you like really scared of like, I don't know how to do this. It's not usually what you want to do. Um, People usually can get clarity on like, this is what I want, but they don't know how and the how keeps them from the what. And so my advice is to start, start somewhere. Again, it's, it's my equation. Show up. Do the thing that you know. And if that one thing is like, I don't know the answer to um, how to get this distributor, uh, but I know somebody who, who's had a distributor before. Call that person. That's starting. Call somebody who's had a distributor before. Call somebody who's got, that, got a contact or put it out on social media. Ask the question. Type it into Google. Start. What I believe will happen is that you will get momentum. You will realize that you know more than you think you know. And really... The real value is, is in finding other people that can support you. And by being open to the fact that you don't know everything, 
more and more people will show up to support you. So you just got to start and you'll get momentum. That's honestly the biggest advice I would give. It's a great formula for success. It really is. Uh, if we look at Amazon and how they, how they started, it's completely different than who they are now. And when I look at Jeff Bezos's mind, it was probably just, hey, I want to start this online bookstore. Uh, there's this picture. I don't know if y'all have seen it, but uh, I would encourage the listeners to go look it up. It's amazing. It's, it's just him, you know, in this little corner, this kind of broken down, looks like a uh, room. Um, and he's spray painted Amazon.com on this like poster board next to him. And we look at what it has become through his willingness to just start and pivot along the way. And it's amazing what we can do if we just put one foot in front of the other. I love your analogy of the car that's parked. You, know, you don't get anywhere by just staying parked. You got to start moving and then it kind of opens up, you know, opportunities that are available. It's really, really cool. Um, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I, I don't know if you're a big reader, but if you are, what book, what book has inspired you and which would you recommend to the uh, listeners? I'm not a huge reader. Um... Let me think of the, the last book I read. So The Way of the Superior Man. Mm. Uh, the Way of the Superior Man, it's, I think it's David Dita. Um, and um, I just love that he, he talks about, especially for your, if the majority of your listeners are men. My wife also read the book to kind of understand men. But um, it teaches about how we are and also our significant others and how we can interact with each other more, how to be more confident, how to be the man, but it's, you know, you think about that as like, there's a lot of toxic masculinity, but there's, there's also a way to be a heart centered man, but also, um, to, to stand your ground in certain things. And so, um, that one had a great impact on me. I love that book. Oh, that's great. I've never read that book, but I mean, anything that enables us to yeah grow personally in relationships. I love, love that idea. Thank you for the recommendation. I'm sure yeah. listeners are dying to hear a little bit about this portfolio of real estate that you've been able to build, you know, you've got 65 doors currently. You just bought a portfolio of 60 single family homes. Is that what it was? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. How, how did you do it? Uh, get to that point And was it a syndication or your own? I mean, what, what did that look like? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was 60 homes, 60 single family homes. So I, I actually owned seven homes here in Utah. That's where I'm based out of. Um, I owned a condo town, couple townhomes, fourplex, um, and, um, so I'd kind of seen the different elements of, of real estate and I had this desire to, um, I had this desire to expand my portfolio and what I found, um, as I kind of started looking at the different, as I started looking at different real estate avenues is like in Utah, you can buy for really, you can get really good renters. My townhomes have really good renters, um, uh, 800 credit score, pay rent on time. They're nicer townhomes, high rents. Um, the condo is brand new build and, and, uh, had less problems, but also had its complications with like what every other tenant was paying in the condo complex. The fourplex was the highest cash flow, And so by looking at that, I really just had this desire, uh, to go to different markets and, and learn about different markets. And, and, um, the, the markets I was looking at was in the South. And what I had learned is that in the South, you can you can have higher cash flow, but you're also going to have the downside is you're going to have more turnover. You're going to have more eviction um, rates, you know, in the lower income, you're going to have more rehab. When somebody moves out, they smoke in the place. You got to change the carpet out. You got to paint whatever else. And so um, I was looking at a portfolio in, in Kansas city. I was looking at one in Arkansas. 
And I told a friend of mine uh, who works in the same office building as me, has, a, has an executive office here. And he said, oh, I've, I've had a lot of success in Alabama. And so he's been out there for 10 years. He's got multiple properties there. He's, he's worked through three different property management companies. And that just sounded like, uh, that just sounded like a lot of, lot of barriers broken down that I wouldn't have to. Uh, being able to use a property management company that he knew. And so him and I set out, I told him I'd be very interested in partnering with him if he found something. And sure enough, the next week he found uh, this portfolio of 60 houses. And um, again, I had had a little contrast. I've been to a few different markets and looked at them. I flew out there and looked at them with him. And I was like, man, these were cheaper than the ones that I looked at in Arkansas, but they were way nicer. The tenants were better. Um, the property management company was awesome. And so um, what I did in order to take that down, we, we decided to partner on a 50-50. He brought the deal to the table. We used my uh, balance sheet and my credit to qualify for it. Um, and then uh, we brought 50% of the money to the table each and then, um, and then became 50-50 partners on it. And we're just going to hold it and rent. They're all rented out. Um, I think we've got two that are kind of being rehabbed right now, but um they're low income three bed one bath 1100 square foot homes uh paid an average of sixty thousand dollars a piece for them uh i sold two properties here in utah this is the kind of craziest thing i had bought two properties that i had bought back in 2017 um you think about the equity from 2017 to 2020 2022 um i sold those and 1031 them in for my 50 percent, and then i think i only had to come out of pocket for about two hundred thousand dollars more and so with $200,000 out of pocket, trading my two properties, I went from $1,200 a month in cash flow here in Utah uh, to about $10,000 a month, 10 to $12,000 a month uh, is my 50% um, for these 60 houses. Dude, I, I love that you were able to see, again, this kind of speaks to the kind of the theme of this whole show so far is just like ready, fire, aim, get started. You were wondering, where to pull the trigger and what to do. You had kind of this in with this guy instead of being like, man, it'd be kind of cool to get some stuff out there. You just said, Hey, this is my end. This guy has been able to lower some of these barriers to entry and dude, let's, let's go. Right. We we'll just figure it out as we go. Um, and obviously that paid big dividends for you, which is, it comes well-deserved. You've worked so hard. Um, and I just, it, it's, uh, it's inspiring to learn from you, Jer. So I, I appreciate everything that you're, that you're sharing. Um, Maybe before we head out here, just maybe two more questions. I, I think it would be interesting for listeners to be able to learn what your what your habits look like and what your morning routine looks like, because th there's obviously um, something that you're doing that allows you to get, you know, the things that you've been able to get in your life. And there's there's people listening to this podcast right now that want what you have, right? They want to be able to figure out which habits you've been able to kind of uh, live by uh, to, to create these opportunities in your life. So what would you say have been most important? Yeah. So recently health and fitness have been very, very important to me. Um, I can't say that for all of my career. In fact, I, I ignored certain things. I, I, people ask about balance and I don't believe in balance. I tried so hard for balance for so many years and just kicked my teeth in trying to do it. Um, but once I just really, you know, got focused on what I want most, and so when I talk about like habits and focus and everything else, it's figuring out really what do I want most? And, and I prioritize those things. And so it's always been with my family. It's always been um, with my relationship with my wife and my kids. And then also my, 
you know, my business getting its focus and then also my social time, my, my fun time, but fitness became really big about a year ago. And so every single day I wake up, um, and I head straight to the gym. Um, I go to the gym, I get a good workout. I make sure that I'm drinking a ton of water. Um, and I'm eating much better. Uh, I still have, you know, the ability to eat certain things. I'm not like on a crazy strict diet, but I'm, I'm eating much better. Um, I'm really focused on trying to get good sleep. I'm tracking my sleep, uh, understanding the importance of that in years past early on in business. I didn't do that. And I didn't sleep. There'd be two or three nights a week. I didn't sleep at all because I thought I was, you know, grinding and I, that was like a badge of honor. Uh, but getting my sleep, making sure that I'm working out, um, mental health, uh, meditation has been absolutely life-changing for me. I didn't know about meditation until about five, maybe it's been six, seven years now. Uh, I didn't even know about meditation or breath work, but the, the power of focusing on your breath um, uh, is, has translated to where it's not just when I'm sitting down in the morning or in the afternoon or evening meditating, trying to get grounded and present in my body. It could be in an intense situation where I'm on the road and somebody cuts me off. I immediately go to focusing on my breathing so that I don't make a terrible decision, right? Um, if I'm in a meeting that gets, that gets heated and somebody else is emo being emotional, I just focus on my breathing. I slow my breathing down. I get focused in my body. And so those are some things that are um, very important to me. Uh, also, this, I don't know if, you know, this is something that's part of somebody else's equation, but for me, I'm all about having fun. Um, if I'm not having fun, I burn out really quick and, and, uh, and I lose my purpose and my direction. And so anyone who follows me on social media, you'll see at least every week me scaring somebody. Like I love scaring people. And I, it sucks. It sucks for the people around me that like so much of my joy comes from their displeasure, but, um, <laughs> I'm just having fun. And so I could be a complete stranger. It could be a good friend, my fitness coach and my guys I work my real estate partner like I scare him all the time and they they hate me but um yeah I'm, I'm trying to have fun and so I, I have fun with my kids I have fun with people that I work with uh, I fun with my friends and I, and I put a focus on that and that honestly fills me up um and now you know this belief I think that shifted later on in my career was uh that you can't go do any of those things you got to sacrifice all of those things um has transitioned to the more that I fill myself up the more I have to give and so I really encourage people to, to do that, whatever that looks like for you. It's great advice. It's really, really good advice. So to kind of recap here, it sounds like the gym, when uh, just so everybody knows, I see this guy a ton at the gym in the mornings and he, he practices what he preaches. He is as strong as an ox, fit as a fiddle. Uh, so it's, uh, it's important for people to recognize too, that the gym is not just for our physical selves. Like it does things for us mentally too right like we're able to think more clearly our blood is pumping our brain is active we come back from the gym and we're uh more alert and ready to go for the day and we've already accomplished something really hard what i love about the gym in the morning is that your body when the alarm goes off is saying you stay in bed right relax you're tired but you get to overcome something challenging right off the bat first thing in the morning go do something hard and Brian Tracy, uh, he says, eat that frog. And he means do the hard things first. And so it's, it's cool that you mentioned that going to the gym. The, the other thing you mentioned, which I thought was really important too, for listeners was this idea of meditating, uh, being able to, you know, just be in our thoughts and our brains and being able to just relax and breathe a little bit, not feel 
like we have to be moving a hundred miles an hour all the time. We live in a society and in a world where we, we move at a, a million miles a minute, right? We can get answers to things in milliseconds. And so it's sometimes nice to disconnect and just enjoy being in the present, breathe a little bit. Um, I think that's really, really important. And then you'd also mentioned, which I think as well as an important thing is just being willing to have, have some fun uh, too, uh, instead of just constantly, you know, focusing on whatever it is that you're trying to, to be doing. Um, I think Stephen R. Covey would call that sharpening the saw, you know, habit seven, just being willing to um, take a, take a breather for a second, take the, take down the elephant one bite at a time. I, I appreciate that. Um, maybe this last question really quick for you, Jer. Um, the world that we live in today is just bombarded with a whole bunch of people feeling like we are in uh, a very negative place, right? The economy is bad. The leadership's bad. The world's going to pot. You know, what are we supposed to do? Kind of this, um, this really fearful mindset. And, and I feel like it's just the opposite. I feel like there's never been a better time to live in the history of the world. I feel like there's so much to look forward to. There's plenty of opportunities. They're everywhere. And so what, what have you done to be able to combat, you know, kind of that mentality? And when, when, when everybody else is, is finding problems, how do you find opportunities? Yeah. Um, I think what's so important in this time, I'm sure that, you know, as much as there is opportunities and as much as there's um, you know, there's the optimistic outlook. There's days when we all feel the energy of the universe and the world and, and the news and everything that's going on around um, that can pull us down. And for me, the key has been gratitude. Um, really just focusing on what I'm grateful for. What I have instead of what I don't have. What I have and, and, and what's blessed my life instead of all of the potential things we could be afraid of and outcomes that could potentially affect us. Um, that's not to say that I don't do what I can to be prepared um, in every aspect of my life. And so I highly encourage people get, you know, get that food storage, you know, uh, get that ammo, you know, put some money aside, make sure that you, you know, that you can control the outcome. If certain things do happen, have that, you know, um, insurance per se in place so that you can kind of know that that's there and you can continue to move forward um, that safety net. Right. Um, but, but in that, uh, in that I focus on, I focus on the positive. I see where there's a challenge and I see, um, that there's opportunity there. You look at inflation, you can say, oh, inflation is such a terrible thing. It is unless you have assets. And if you have assets, inflation is the best possible thing, right? Um, it's going to grow those assets really fast. And so, um, really focusing on what I'm grateful for. And then what I think is most important is that, um, you hear people talking about putting, getting your house in order and all of those things. Um, a big part of that for me is, is the mental, um, is working on my mindset and working on, um, being the best version of myself, uh, being the best father, being the best husband, um, being the best friend, serving the community. Um, and I think when you're coming from that heart space and you're, you're trying to improve and be a better person. Uh, these things that are happening around the universe, they don't bring you down. Um, they show you that's where you see the opportunities. That's where you see, oh, there's a need here. I can go and add value here. Um, I can be stronger here. I can, I can build a business here. All of the different aspects, I think, come online 
um, when you're looking at it through that perspective. And so that's what I'm trying to do. Um, not, not to say I don't have hard days, but, um, that's helped me a ton. That's, that's just, uh, absolutely solid advice for anybody listening. I appreciate that so much. I think the, to summarize what you said too, is just be grateful, you know, focus on what you have in comparison to what you don't have. Like you said, I think that's important. I think a lot of times too, like in the world that we live in today, people will see social media, they're scrolling through and it's like, oh man, everybody else has all of this cool stuff. They're living this crazy life. They're on cruises and beaches and they have all these things, right? But um, the truth of the matter is everybody has difficult times. Everybody goes through challenges and it, it really helps when those moments occur, like you said, just to focus on all of the good things you get to enjoy in your life, your family, the roof over your head, a great living, like all these, I mean, just uh, sometimes it's just the simple things too, the sun coming up, the spring, spring here, being able to walk down a path and hear the lake or whatever, whatever it is. And so I, I really appreciate that, Jared, what you shared. Thank you. Um, anything else that uh, I failed to ask that you would love to kind of talk about before I let you go? I just feel honestly so thankful that you were able to hop onto the show today and I was able to learn a ton from you and I'm sure the listeners were too. Anything else you'd like to share? Oh, I think you covered it, man. I, I just appreciate you taking the time and thinking of me and let me, let me come share some thoughts with you. Dude, well, you, you bet. I appreciate the impact that you make on the world and in people's lives. I think you're making a positive dent in this place. And I'm just really, really grateful to know you, man. Appreciate you so much. Bye, bye, brother. Have a great day, brother. Thank you.